Hey there, everyone. So do you ever get tired of the same old ways of seeing things? Do you ever get the urge to cut through the world of everyday surface appearances and look for the light that's rare in the depths? Well, then maybe, just maybe, the wisdom of podcast is for you. Because in this podcast, we explore great works of philosophy and literature and art and try to pull out of them what's most invigorating and interesting and inspiring. Whether they come from the works of Plato, or Dostoevsky, or Picasso, here we explore ideas that move mountains and rock the soul. So come join us, won't you? Come worship at the altar of ideas, and come celebrate the dancing of thought. And don't be afraid of the leaping sparks as you can be certain of one thing, they will kindle the light inside of you. Welcome to the wisdom of, coming up today, Badiou's In Praise of Love. Life sure is a, a strange journey. Just thinking of a, of a few kind of recent highlights that you find people would have been already uh, privy to, like our, our vain attempt to launch an, an action movie franchise for the cinemas, to uh, heading up a failed philosophical amusement park that uh, one particularly mean review compared to uh, getting a colonoscopy from both ends, to my very recent forays into what I hope to be religious enlightenment that really just found me uh, hitchhiking home from Utah. Through it all, I've, I've come to realize that I may have problems, deep problems, the kind that, uh, that may require more than just a podcast to help. I'm talking about therapy. And if I'm going to go do therapy, why not music therapy? So after scrimping and saving uh, seven consecutive Wisdom Up paychecks, I had enough money for, for one appointment with one music therapist that I found. Conveniently, he was located in the alley behind, uh, behind an adult bookstore and a Circle K convenience store right in my neighborhood. I might even have enough money afterwards for a not-quite-off-brand uh, Slurpee afterwards. So when I got to my appointment... I forked over my $14, and I was asked, So, what's your problem? Surprised by the directness, I just blurted out, uh, I don't know, uh, love. And as soon as I said that, I was shoved into a small windowless room with a card table, a laptop, and a folding chair. I sat in the chair, and I waited. After a moment, or maybe two moments, my therapist came in and said, Love, eh? And then he started tapping away at the laptop for at least four moments. He pressed play and left the room, shutting the door behind him. Best I could tell, he had simply created a, a Spotify playlist with songs that had love in the title. I'm still processing everything from that day, but uh, Spotify does play podcasts too. Maybe I'll add this forthcoming one to the playlist, uh, 
Alain Badiou. Badiou? Badiou? It's got to be at least half as insightful as, I don't know, Beyonce? 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 And her crazy in love, I assume. Okay, well, the only thing that I agree with or understand about anything you just said was the part about you needing therapy. That said, uh, let's wipe out the last two minutes from existence and move on to real things, shall we? Okay, so what's on the agenda today? Well, I think you tried to mention his name in there somewhere. It's Alain Badiou and his book, In the Praise of Love. So, just to give a, a brief summary for those of you who don't know, In Praise of Love is a dialogue between the French philosopher Badiou and the journalist Nicolas Truong. The work is a passionate defense of love in a time when romance is being threatened from all directions. What Badiou argues is that love needs to be reinvented for the modern world. Okay, but now let's get into the details. Okay, so what Badiou does in Praise of Love is he starts off by saying that love faces threats from, from all sides today. So, on the one hand, he talks about the proliferation of dating sites and what it is they're doing to our conception of love. He mentions some of their uh, marketing slogans, and here I think he's talking about a, a specific site in France. Anyway, the, the slogans run, Get love without chance. And, uh, be in love without falling in love. And, uh, get perfect love without suffering. Now, Badiou calls this the the safety-first concept of love. Love with an insurance policy. It's a love relationship protected from all risk and from a chance encounter. By knowing everything about your prospective partner beforehand, his or her tastes and, uh, and their political views and their favorite uh, Netflix episodes, your eventual selection will be both perfectly risk and chance-free. But whatever this is, it isn't real love, Badjo thinks. No, we need to rescue love from dating sites. Real love doesn't come without some danger and intensity. Safe and risk-free love is no love at all. To promote the idea that you can have love without risk is like promoting the idea of a, of a zero-dead war, he says. Okay, so uh, that's one threat to love. But there's another kind of threat, Badju thinks. And unlike the first one, which at least sees the, the power and the danger of love but wants to guard against it, this other view, it doesn't even acknowledge this more powerful aspect of love. And that's the view, also becoming more prevalent today, that love isn't really that important, or that it can be reduced to just enjoyment and comfort. This is a love without challenge. It's a love without the genuine experience of another person in all of their integrity and otherness. What this love is, is really just a form or variant of hedonism. It's a relationship that avoids the deep and the challenging and just happily coasts on the surface of things. It lacks the risk and adventure, Badiou thinks, is a constituent of genuine love. And you know, speaking of pleasure, 
Badiou also has some very interesting things to say about sex. Actually, you know, on this topic, he makes reference to the view of the French psychoanalyst Jacques Lacan. So, what he says, again quoting Lacan, is that when it comes to sex with another person, we're, we're essentially on our own. That's to say, the pleasure of sex will always ultimately be our own pleasure. So, in this way, and against common perception, sex separates. It doesn't unite. Sex takes us away from another. So, really, there's no relationship in sex. In sex, you're in a relationship with yourself. But love, well, that's different. Only in love do you go beyond yourself. Only in love do you move beyond narcissism and self-interest and so develop a true relationship with another. This is what Lacan meant when he said, love is what fills the absence of a sexual relationship. Love is what fills the emptiness created by sex. Anyway, so, uh, so back to Badieu's larger view. Okay, now, in his own construction of love, Badieu takes his cue from, from Plato, at least in part. You see, for Plato, love has in its seed always the, the promise of something higher. More specifically, it has an impulse towards the idea of beauty and truth. So, for Plato, something seemingly benign or, or trivial, like uh, being attracted to somebody's body, well, that's, whether we know it or not, that's always a movement towards something greater, a greater beauty and a, a bigger growth. Maybe another way to put this is that for Plato, even though we're not aware of it at the time, of its source. Our early physical attraction to a body is rooted in a deep metaphysical instinct. In other words, our first or primordial impulse, sexual desire, is directed towards nothing less than, than being itself, which is to say the, the steadfast and the eternal. In other words, Desires of the body, then, are, are never just desires of the body, but they're informed by the spiritual. All beautiful things, starting with bodies, always draw us beyond themselves. Or to um, put it another way, our love is ultimately always for the sake of something higher and more real than that on which it is currently focused. It's always for, for what is best and most beautiful that lies ahead. Wow, that's um, pretty amazing, isn't it? Anyway, but, okay, so that's Plato. But the question is, how does Badiou appropriate him? What is Badiou taking from Plato's view here, and how is he using it for his own view on love? Well, basically, I think that what Badiou draws from Plato is this idea that what love does is it pulls us out of ourselves and allows us to experience what is different from us. As uh, Badiou himself says, in genuine love, we experience the world from the perspective of difference and not identity. Love is ego-transcending and opens us up to a world that is not of our own. Certainly, not of our own reflection. And this is partly because what love does 
is it opens us up to a world that one experiences from the point of view of of two people, not one. We see now through the, the prism of our difference, through two subjectivities. So, the experience of love is, is decentering. It moves us away from ourselves and from just affirming our own identity at every turn. And in all this, there's also a movement away from inwardness to outwardness and to construction, to the making of a life together in two. Actually, this idea that love is a construction, a project together, is really important for Badiou. You see, the usual romantic myth about love is that love can be reduced to, to the first encounter. You know, where love is consummated and consumed in the first meeting. The, the Romeo and Juliet type thing. But what Badiou wants to say is that love is a creative project that lasts. It's not the insular, isolated, inward, and extremely brief relationship between Romeo and Juliet. No, it's a collaborative construction that meets the hurdles of the real world and triumphs over them in a lasting way. Actually, this is part of what's so incredible about the whole process of love for Badiou. What's so incredible about it is that it's essentially something that starts off as chance as something uh, wholly contingent. You know, you meet someone randomly, out of the blue. But then, well, it turns into something that seems held together by necessity. Something that takes on the appearance of destiny, to quote Badiou. In other words, how can something that was at one time so arbitrary and unpredictable now become so steadfast and guaranteed? It's uh, incredible, right? Actually, you know what? This reminds me a little bit of what the philosopher Hannah Arendt says about the importance of keeping promises. You see, for her, if you don't make the past and the future a part of the present by remembering what you said to someone and intending to follow through with it, then you allow unpredictability and meaninglessness to rule. Maybe another way of saying this is that what making a promise to another person does is it redeems the future by keeping the hope for it alive. Or to um, put it yet another way, basically what making a promise to someone does is it preserves the past and so ensures that the future is reliable, that it becomes something that you can count on. It builds a bridge from the present to the future. And so, obviously then, breaking a promise does the opposite. It denies the reality of the past, and so denies the hope of any future. It collapses all bridges. So, for Arant, making promises relates us to the future in such a way that it creates for us, as she says, islands of certainty in the midst of a larger sea of uncertainty. In fact, Arendt says that making promises is actually the greatest remedy for unpredictability. And what she means by this is that without being bound by our promises, we would just be, be wandering around alone, aimless, and in the dark. Well, maybe this is part of love's secret. The chance encounter is great, of course. 
But it's the promise to commit and to love that turns a whimsical and unpredictable beginning into a love that now takes on the appearance of a shared destiny. That looks as if it had been necessary. Anyway, I think something like this is not too far from what Badiou is saying. I mean, I don't think he uses the word promise too much. But he does use similar words like, um, fidelity. In other words, this transition from chance to destiny requires a resilience that's only possible through fidelity and commitment. It's through fidelity that we defeat the randomness of an encounter. You know, now that I think about it, all this sort of reminds me of a, of a quote from the Old Testament's uh, The Song of Songs. What it says in that book is this. It says, Love is as strong as death. Now, this is a great quote, right? But what does it mean exactly? Well, who knows for certain? But it does make me think of what it is Badiou is saying. And that is that to promise and to commit and to love is empowering. It's to take fate into our own hands and so to assure that we remain hopeful and equal to life's vicissitudes. As the author of the Song of Songs suggests, love is really as close as we can get to creating permanence in a cosmos marked by destruction and death. Listening to the Wisdom of Podcast. If you want to know more about this topic or the podcast in general, visit wisdomofpod.com. And as usual, we love to read your questions and comments. Reach us at info at wisdomofpod.com or on Twitter at wisdom underscore pod. 